In this episode of Movies in the Black, we are doing a solo episode. I haven't done one of these yet, um, and I have a bunch of interviews scheduled, but of course no one's really available in the first couple months of the year. I'm actually going to record one this weekend, but anyway, don't have any. So this video, I'm going to talk about what I'm interested in as a producer, what kind of movies I wanna produce, why I got into producing, and uh, why I think that producing is the right place for someone like me rather than directing or writing, or uh, what I used to do was as a cinematographer. So without further ado, welcome myself, Craig and Zana, indie film producer to the podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode. If you are liking uh, the podcast so far, it'd be awesome if you could, you know, leave a rating, hopefully a good one, on iTunes or subscribe wherever you're listening so that uh, it helps us show up a little bit more. It's cool. Every single episode, we are doing a little bit better. We're releasing weekly every week at eh, on Tuesday, usually, sometimes. I accidentally publish it on Monday night when I mean to schedule it for Tuesday, but so usually Tuesdays, if Tuesdays will be around. And uh, but each with each episode, we're getting more viewers or more listeners, so that's pretty cool. We did like lose the listeners on any specific platform when we expanded out to all the different ones. So instead of everyone going to one place, now they're listening wherever they want, which I'm totally cool with. Like, I don't really care about the like vanity metrics of how many views the video got on YouTube or how many views the video got on Facebook or how many downloads it got on one specific platform. It's more interesting that uh, it's getting traction across the board. Uh, so that's cool. Anyway, this episode is not about that. This episode is kind of more general me just talking to you about some of the things that um, I'm doing. I'm, I just signed on to do a feature film in Cleveland, which will be really interesting. I'll have more info about that as things go forward. I'm hoping to interview the director of that. He actually produced his own films prior to bringing on producers for this film. So that's he'll have a good perspective on that. And uh, Andy's actually sold his films to a sales agent that then sold it to international buyers. So as an interesting perspective that we'll be able to get from him for that if he's interested. Obviously, I haven't even talked to him about it yet. <laughs> so maybe he'll see this and be like, oh, well, I guess I might be doing a podcast. But my goal this year is to be working on as many films as possible. I took about two years completely off from filmmaking after making Blood on the Leaves. I really just consulted on films when they would pop up. I didn't really go after any more work. I turned down quite a few really cool projects that I wish I would have worked on, but I had just gotten burnt out. When I was a kid, I really, like when I first got into filmmaking, I really wanted to make a feature film. That was kind of like, I understood pretty early on the difference between feature films, short films, TV, that kind of stuff. Um, and feature films was the thing that I was interested in. I wanted to do something that would play in theaters. I wanted to do that by the time I was like 25. I remember telling myself that I was going to do that by the time I was 25. Well, we made Blood on the Leaves, which I produced, which of course, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a director. I didn't even know what a producer was, but really the parts of it that I was, a lot of the parts of it that I was interested in are more the producer side of things anyway. But yeah, I, I did end up making a film by the time I was 25, feature film. Two, really, if you consider Blue Card a feature film, because that was a feature-length web series that we made, and we had screened it in a theater as a feature film, had a really huge audience and everything. So like having those two things done, once it was really done, and I moved back to Pennsylvania from Austin, Texas, because things just weren't getting traction in Austin, I was just like, I don't know what next. It's like you achieve a goal and then 
what next? I didn't set a big enough goal for myself, which now I think I've learned that lesson. So I went into painting for a while. I did painting, which was fun. And I learned a lot about myself creatively and kind of that I like being creative as a hobby, not so much as a job. Because as soon as painting started to grab traction, I got to into some art shows and then an art gallery and people were paying attention on, it, on the internet to my work and people were starting to buy my work and oh woe is me I know <laughs> but I stopped uh, like enjoying it I stopped enjoying producing the stuff and making the paintings so pretty quickly I realized like this is not a business thing for me I need to step back and make this primarily just a kind of passive side thing that I do when I feel like it and that's where I am now is I stepped back into the filmmaking. All of a sudden, it started giving me that same excitement that it used to. And specifically, focusing just on producing has kind of reminded me of, of one of the things that I wanted to do back in the day when I first started making filmmaking. I actually found when I first started uh, film school. Actually, I think it was the, <laughs> it was the fil it was the third film school I went to when I went to Dubois Business College, studying under Russ Striner and uh, John Russo from Night of the Living Dead. They had us. Right, like what are what is our goal as uh, filmmakers? And for me, my goal was to eventually own my own production company, distribution studio, and help make films happen for other artists and try to combine different art mediums where possible. So I think the vision, I, the vision I remember having for that was being able to, you know, fund musical artists, to be able to fund directors and, and filmmakers and be able to fund painters, artists, muralists, that kind of stuff, all under one roof, one kind of creative uh, agency. And now as I'm saying that, it's like, well, that's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> I should do that. And it's kind of, I guess, like managing, but a little bit different. Uh, there's probably a model out there like it. Everything, every time I think I have an original idea, as far as a model for making something happen, it comes across and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a thing that already exists. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's kind of like um, a thing that I kept thinking about was I had talked to a, a, a banking friend of mine, actually a couple banking friends, two different people, two different conversations about this, and then it kind of led into more of a developed idea. I wanted to take and uh, distribute the risk of investing in a film. Basically, the idea was you know, venture capitalists and some of the investor people that I run into in Austin who invest in startups look at it like I am investing in these 10 startups expecting that one of them will take off really big and the other ones will all probably lose money and maybe one or two will break even. But that big one is the one that really makes everything worthwhile. And then obviously it makes them a better investor if they can really vet those 10 businesses uh, and only invest in the ones that are uh, have a better chance of survival and that makes each of them even more profitable over, over, over the, but basically it spreads the risk so you're not just dumping all your risk into one thing. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. We should do that with films. I'm gonna start an LLC and I'll take collections into that LLC and then fund movies from that you know, three or four, basically a series of, of movies that aren't related at all, ideally even aren't even in the same genre so that we really spread the risk across. And I started looking into how to do that, to do it legally and realized, duh, that's slate funding, which is, if you don't know, pretty standard thing uh, in higher budget independent films and obviously in studios where 
a lot of times they'll pay, you know, uh, a film fund or a venture fund or something, institutional investor will pay for a slate of films from a specific producer or director. But uh, a lot of times it's a producer, so they can use different directors along the way. It's kind of like, you know, when you hear so-and-so's studio, like Steven Spielberg's studios got signed to do like six movies with uh, Paramount. I that's not a thing, but that's exactly what that is, is they're hiring, they're paying for a slate of films, knowing that one or two of them are probably going to bomb, a couple of them are going to break even, and hopefully one of them will really take off. But that doesn't make it less of an interesting thing. And what I find interesting is there's no one really doing that at the micro or like uh, really low budget area. And what I'm interested in is like the sub 100,000 films. Because at the end of the day, and this kind of goes full circle to what I was talking about, at the end of the day, the things, the types of creators I'm interested in supporting and, and seeing them make their best work are people that are kind of outside of the system, specifically because, not just because I want to stay outside of the system or there's something inherently wrong with Hollywood or whatever, like, I don't mean that at all. But the thing is, I am very interested in the unique stories and expressions that are being made everywhere else. You know, our, our entertainment and our, our global or at least national art is very re represented by New York and Los Angeles and some of the other big cities. So those cultures are what gets permeated through the cultural landscape, which ends up making a lot of people, I mean, you hear this a lot with minorities that, you know, they don't feel represented in Hollywood or in, you know, the stuff that they're watching and seeing on TV and watching and seeing in movies. And it's true. And it's, it's, you know, it takes not only, you know, white male directors making movies that have roles for those people, but also it takes making room in the industry for people to direct films about people like them, you know, make, making, there's a huge push for female directors and female producers and female cinematographers, and I think that's awesome because that allows the female perspective to be much more represented in the industry um, and in the type of stuff that we watch. And the same thing with Americans and Hispanic Americans or Hispanics in general. Like, There's a huge influx of Mexican filmmakers that are doing really well in American cinema, especially over the last decade or so. Whatever minorities they are. like, what, And they're obviously like, I hate the term minority because, you know, in... United States, that might be the case, but globally, that's not really a thing. And it's, you know, also the same thing with seeing foreign films, you know, that get played here in the United States, no matter where they're from, hearing those stories from those different types of lives. I see the same thing growing up in a rural area and living in a rural area and liking living in a rural area. <laughs> the, the, portrayal, the, the portrayals of a small town are so one-dimensional and cliche in mainstream media that it's it's laughable if you're from it's, and it's like it's a different thing because it's like these communities aren't necessarily uh, being put down because of the way they look or anything like that it's just a virtue of where they choose to live which I want to stress is something that people choose to do most of the time they choose to live in these places so it's not like I, I limit how much I like feel bad for people that are in rural areas and you know the job market's horrible and all this stuff it's like you know you, you could leave but I get why people don't want to and sometimes they can't they have family members here that are sick I know so many people that live in this area because a family member is sick and they have to be here to take care of them and they can't, they're trapped they can't leave because of that so I guess you maybe sometimes they 
can't choose where to live. And that's, that's sad. And it's like unfortunate that we don't see those representations in, in the media. And I'm not saying I just want to represent rural rural that's a weird word small town stories but i just want to represent stories coming from the people that actually are living those stories or just like voices that are interesting and unique outside of the kind of big city coastal mentalities because there's so many more voices to be heard and seen in in every medium and i i i I know i started that out by talking about that in terms of minorities but i don't i don't want that to really have to do anything with race. It's more just about cultural experiences, you know, where you raised, what kind of experiences you have. We all have such unique stories that we could be telling and, and the technology is now allowing us to tell it. And that's awesome. So I'm excited at the opportunity to pair up with as many people as possible to make things happen. And eventually right now I'm really focusing and drilling down on on film producing. But eventually, I would like to branch out a little bit and help musicians and help painters. I know a little bit about both of those industries, so I think there's value I could bring to the table there. Um, and, and I don't know, there's probably other creative fields too that eventually I could get into, or I could bring other people on and we could all work together on that. So that's kind of where I'm at and where I'm, I'm coming from. I think it's always interesting to just like kind of look back and see that. And I, I <laughs> looking back and that all started with me talking about the mission statement I had made when I first went to film school, like what it was, why I wanted to be a producer uh, or a filmmaker. I didn't even have the term producer at that point, but I remember my, my thesis project where we made a film and then we had to make like a presentation about it and what type of work we were going to do when we graduated college. And my main thing was I was going to be a producer. I was going to help other artists get their stuff made by taking care of the logistics uh, and the funding and that kind of thing. And I did that a little bit. And then I just, I just totally lost track of it. So I'm glad I'm back. That's basically what I'm saying. And I'm excited to continue interviewing more people because so far, the episodes of this show have been really awesome. Um, some of the feedback I've gotten is has been really cool. I actually, uh, I should have brought it up to do this episode, but in a near future episode, I'll do another solo episode, and it'll be less me rambling and more me answering some questions that I've gotten through the email, which is moviesintheblack at gmail.com. Uh, and also, you could just email craigandzana.com. Craig and Zana at gmail.com. That's my own thing. Eventually, I might actually just be pushing everything to my own website. I'm revamping that so that it kind of more reflects the fact that I'm not just a artist. I'm not just a online marketer, but I'm also a filmmaker, a, a remote video editor, and a web designer. Because uh, those are the kind of five different fields that I'm interested in, in uh, focusing on this year in that order. Filmmaking, video editing, web design, marketing, and art is the lowest thing. I still want to paint, but it's not something that I'm particularly interested in trying to make money from. So if you want some questions answered in a future episode, if you've somehow made it through this long of me rambling, thanks for that. Uh, shoot me an email or, you know, Craig and Zana, C-R-A-I-G-I-N-Z-A-N-A at anything. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram. I think that's how you get to me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm at on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook. I'm the only Craig and Zana in the world. There's a couple different profiles on there that are mine, but I'm the only one. So if you add any of them, I'll find you. But yeah, you can go ahead and shoot any questions you might have about producing or filmmaking in general, and I will answer those in a future episode. 
which will be fun. If you could record some audio of you asking the question, you know, just pull up the voice memos on your phone and then shoot me a email from there. That would be awesome because then I can kind of use it instead of just reading it out on the episode. I can play your audio and then have that uh, answered directly from there. I'm also working on a distribution course a uh, a online course basically taking all of the information that I've learned and use in my uh, like distribution consulting and use on my own business plans and things especially when it relates to micro budget do-it-yourself distribution there's a little bit in there about sales agents and distributors and getting a deal that kind of thing if that's something you're interested in I just kind of brush over it because it's basically like most people that are going to take this course are that's going to be beyond what is really within their reach. So the idea is to how can you maximize the potential income of your film on your own and be able to pitch that to an investor. So if you're raising maybe let's say $10,000 to make a feature film, then you can use the stuff that you learn in this course to pitch an investor and hopefully get the money that you need to make the film. They're going to see it as a business, op- business opportunity then rather than just a uh, like an art project that they're going to donate to. But yeah, so that course is, if you go to moviesintheblack.com slash distribution, good luck spelling distribution, that one always catches me off guard. You can f- sign up there. Um, I'm gonna, when I first release the course, it's gonna be $47. I'd say the value of the course is, I mean, the value of the course is a lot because if you consider the things you learn in that course could potentially bring you in thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars if you do it really well, obviously I can't, I can't know your specific project and know the specific things the audiences are going to like at the time you release your film. So obviously I can't say you're going to definitely make this amount of money, but I think the ideal price range is somewhere a little under $300, maybe a little over, but I'm going to start out releasing it at $47. And that's only going to be to people that are signed up on the email list. I think the release price is actually going to be 97. So you'll save about 50% off the starting price. If you go sign up, that's moviesintheblack.com slash distribution, which is spelled D-I-S-T-R-I-B-U-T-I-O-N. Obviously, you can figure that out on, <laughs> on your own. Everyone has Google. You can just Google it, and it'll tell you that you spelled, spelled it wrong and how to spell it the right way. I think I'm really excited about this course. I've put a lot of work into it already. I haven't filmed everything yet. I had I took a lot of time working on the outline, basically taking everything that I've known so far, finding a bunch of third-party resources that I can pull together to kind of give you as much information right there in the course as possible. And obviously this isn't for everyone. It's not for people that are making $100,000 movies and above. It's not for people that are, um, I mean, really it's, even if you're making stuff that's zero budget, if you're not raising money, if you wanna make stuff that's a little longer form or try to make some money off of your short films, you probably could learn something from this. But obviously it becomes much, much more valuable if you are doing films that require investments or something that's feature film length that you could really make a couple thousand dollars or a couple $10,000 off of it through self-distribution. And this isn't just like, oh, throw it up on Amazon and you'll make money, even though that's the majority of how we made money from Blood and the Leaves. Through some of the other projects I've worked on, some of the stuff I've watched and learned from other film industry people, and some of the mistakes we made with Blood and the Leaves, there's definitely a lot more that goes into a potential release plan to like really make some money, which is which is awesome to know that like that's possible. The crazy awesome thing is that like people are hungry for content. People are hungry to watch movies and especially interesting things that are unique, like 
come up with a unique documentary idea, film that for like almost no money and put it through this distribution course. And like, I just can't wait to start, get it out there and start seeing people use it and hopefully make some really uh, interesting case studies that then I can interview them on this podcast and, and bring them on and talk about how they did it, how they pulled it off. So maybe that could be you. Go to that website again, moviesintheblack.com slash distribution. Sign up for the email list. I'm not going to spam you with emails. I'll send you maybe a few every couple of weeks just to kind of let you know uh, how it's coming along. I just sent one out. So basically, if you sign up now, you get the whole outline of the course for free. It's just, you know, sign up with your email and then you can unsubscribe at any point. If you're like, oh, this isn't for me anymore, then you can obviously unsubscribe. It's no big deal. But like I said, you'll get the discounted price to start out with. And you basically will be the first group of people to get to take it. And so you'll be able to give me feedback and say like, I want more stuff about this specific topic or I don't really get this piece, like maybe explain this further and I'll kind of redo some of the videos and redo some of the stuff so that it makes sense for everyone and everyone. Cause, cause obviously it's hard for me because I'm at the place I am. I'm trying to always think about, you know, if I were talking to someone that was where I was like six years ago, what would I tell them? And that's kind of where I try to go from for everything. But still, even then, like I grew up paying attention to the film industry. So there might be stuff that I'm using that's kind of like industry jargon that isn't something that I realize is an industry jargon thing or just a general concept that makes sense to me intuitively, but maybe doesn't make sense because you have a different experience. If you're from, you know, a different working background, you might have a different experience than I do, um, especially in marketing. It's like a lot of marketing stuff. I just think of I, I, I the other day I said something about B2B marketing to somebody and their business is B2B, which means business to business. Uh, versus B to C, which is business to consumer. But I said B to B, and the person was like, "What?" <laughs> and I, I, I was like, "Oh, that's sorry, that's marketing speak." And they were like, "Oh, okay." But so I don't even notice I'm doing it sometimes. I think I'm not as bad at doing it at some as some people, but we'll see. Anyway, that's exciting. That'll be coming soon. I'm also. <laughs> On on my wall behind me here, I have what started out as 50 note cards taped to my wall under different categories. Now it's probably close to 100. But I'm basically just making a ton of YouTube videos. So if you don't follow me on YouTube, go check out Craig and Zana. It's just one word on YouTube. And I'm making a ton of filmmaking content over there. I think I'm like five minute, five videos in. I have a bunch of old videos on there too, but I'm like five videos in. And I basically just brain dumped everything that I know anything about, uh, which obviously isn't everything. It's a tiny sliver of what I hope to know by the end of like the next couple of years. But everything that I know up until this point, basically I'm sharing on that YouTube channel for free and uh, just dumping it out in kind of a random, here's one topic, here's another topic, here's another topic. Some of them over, 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 ah, some of them over, lap a little bit. Um, but I think that's fine. You know, you'll get a different perspective and different, two different videos and one might pertain to you more than the other one. So I think that'll be an interesting, that's also like an interesting challenge for me because I've been really bad at consistently making YouTube content or video content in general. I'll make cool stuff and then just like not make anything else for months at a time. And since this is like a real intense focus of mine this year, I can, you know, create this stuff directly for People like you, if you're listening to this show, this is totally the stuff that's exactly for you because it's the stuff that's for me. I'm I'm learning about independent filmmaking constantly now, and I am adding new stuff 
because I'm focusing specifically on producing now, I'm adding so much new stuff to my repertoire of knowledge and, and experience. Obviously, I'm just then taking all of the stuff that I've learned over the last like decade of doing this stuff, less technical stuff and more kind of logistics and general like mindset and understanding of like the industry, that kind of stuff. Simple stuff like you're not going to make any money off a distribution deal with Netflix. And I explained that all in one video. Um, I'm, again, I'm, I've been trying to get this one guy on, on the podcast who got his, their movie onto Netflix, and it's a really good movie, and they haven't made their money back yet, which is, you know, that's the story you literally always hear when people release something on Netflix. Very few people, unless they get it as a Netflix original, end up making money off of a Netflix deal. And, and Netflix is notorious for not giving you any kind of information about how it does. Basically, they come back to you after the li the uh, licensing agreement is up and they say whether they want it back or not. But so I have a video that explains that a little more in detail from the people that I know that have gotten Netflix deals and gotten their stuff onto Netflix, what their experience has been. And obviously, like I said, I'm going to try to interview someone on this show in the future about that. We're coming to the end of the episode here. If you have any questions like i said before if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on a future episode so i'm not just rambling for a half hour to myself i think some of this was good stuff but and i'm i appreciate you listening i appreciate sitting here in in your car with you or at your desk at work while you're typing away or wherever you are uh appreciate this this me and you time <laughs> But yeah, I'd love to hear from you and hear some questions that you might have. What are some what are some of the biggest things that you're trying to figure out as a filmmaker? And let me play detective and figure that out for you. This episode's going to come in a little bit short, and that's all right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movies in the Black. There's new episodes every Tuesday, and we're on pretty much every platform that has podcasts now. That means we're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. We have the video that goes up automatically on Facebook. We have the video that goes up automatically on YouTube. So you can listen or watch. And honestly, if you watch, you're just watching an image. <laughs> so you're really just listening anywhere you want. And I think that's awesome. Go ahead, check us out wherever you normally listen to podcasts. If you're on iTunes, it'd be awesome if you subscribe. Get the new audio every single week when it comes out, especially those of you that are avid podcast listeners like myself. I love subscribing to shows. One of my best, my favorite shows, if you're not listening to this show, and this is just going to be me geeking out here at the last second, just for a couple seconds, about one of my favorite podcasts that isn't this podcast. It's called The Ground Up Show. There's 100 episodes, and I think that he's taking a break now, but there's 100 episodes you can binge. It's awesome stuff. It's Matt Diavello who's a filmmaker who did the documentary Minimalism on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix deals, his actually was a Netflix original, so he probably got a pretty good deal off of it. Basically, the show is called The Ground Up Show, and he talks about, he interviews all these entrepreneurs and talks about, you know, from the ground up when they first started to where they're at now, uh, where they're, they've seen success. It's really cool. He's got some episodes that are just about him. Um, and obviously most of it is related to creative fields and filmmaking, but there's a lot that isn't too. He, uh, one of the recent episodes he just did was he interviewed the guy that is the voice of Mickey Mouse. That was a really interesting story. But yeah, that's a cool podcast that you can go check out if you haven't already. And obviously you could check out the rest of this podcast too. I think that's a weird thing, I guess, for me to promote someone else's podcast at the end of my own podcast, but I really like it. It's really good stuff. Check that out. Check out the other episodes of this podcast if you haven't. Subscribe and have a great week, you know, just about you. Just have a great week. Try to keep things positive. Just work through things and everything's gonna be all right. You'll figure it out. Just try to put your mind to it, focus, and have a good time while you're doing it all. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.